Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen, amen. Good morning, family. Are you awake? Wake up. I came a long way. Let's see if you remember. God is good. What? You remember. And all the time. Amen. Give Jesus a big praise in the room today. He is good. He is king. He is Lord. Awesome. It is great to see you, Full House. We had a great first service. Look, it's great second service. And also, I want to just acknowledge all of our thrivers online. Can you welcome everyone online? We welcome you. We love you. Miss your face. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Um, Sister Lori is, was not able to be with me this time. She'll be with us next month. Someone say September 25. Come. I want to see you here. I think we're going to give you a cookie. Something. It would be great to see you. My family will be down here on September 25th. I'm so grateful to the board and Pastor Chris for giving us that opportunity to give you all a hug and have a, a moment with you. Not that we'll be strangers after that. We will not, but we'll have a chance just to, uh, to have a moment. Um, she uh, texted me this morning, all caps, give everybody all my love. My wonderful wife. And I asked her, what about me? She said, not today. Give the people all my love. So uh, she loves you. Uh, we miss you very, very much. We do. You're our family. You're our forever family. And um, we are uh, enjoying getting to know our church family up there. And that's been a wonderful thing. It really has. Uh, but it's not Thrive. It'll never be Thrive. You will always be our family. And um, we do miss you. And are very happy to hear all the good reports. But God, it's almost better. I don't know how to feel about that. It's almost better now. But um, we're just so excited about what God is doing here at Thrive. And the best is yet to come, right? The best is ahead. Can you acknowledge that today? The best is ahead for you, for your church, for our city. Amen. So, amen. It is good, very good to be with you. Would you stand for the reading of God's word today? I uh, thank Pastor Chris for the opportunity to share his pulpit and uh, get in alignment with the sermon uh, series as we uh, journey through the great and powerful and joyful epistle, the letter to the church of Philippi, um, Paul writing from a prison cell, a first century prison, uh, to brothers and sisters in Christ to spur them on. Um, there's a lot to learn in this powerful, powerful letter. And um, I've been handed the passage of Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. 12 through 18. And God's word reads, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for who? Christ. For Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. 
The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. I love verse 18. Can you read it with me? But what does it matter? Oh, come on. Read that again. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I, yeah. Lord, we thank you for your word. And thank you that we live for you. Help each one of us, Lord, to be teachable. Not at the feet of a man, but, Lord, at the feet of your throne. And that you, Holy Spirit, would be the teacher. We've come because we have enough faith, Lord, knowing that you're here. And enough humility to know we have a lot to learn. So work in us. Work in us. Transform us. Prepare us. Lord, let us not just be hearers, but doers of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Are you ready for the word? I hope you are. It's kind of a spicy meatball. A little spicy. You like spicy? It don't matter. Don't, don't matter. Don't matter. Raise your hand or don't. We're serving something kind of spicy today. The title of the message is Opposition Equals Opportunity. Opposition equals opportunity. Again, Paul writing from a first century prison in chains, rusty chains. Sometimes he's cold, he's hungry. It's riddled with disease. It isn't three hots and a cot. Can I get a witness? Like nowadays, it ain't three hots and a cot. It's, it's, it's dank and it's nasty and you hope someone helps you from the outside. He's in there for the cause of Christ. And Paul comes to a perhaps a renewed understanding, surely something that he knew before. But there are some things that become clearer in the dark. There are things, truths, principles, the qualities of God are revealed most clearly in dark places and in dark times. Paul, I believe, is reminded of a truth. And that is that every opposition is an opportunity. Every time there's a setback, every time there's an adversity, every time there's a trial, there's an opportunity for growth and for the demonstration of God's power. What frustrates us is in those times we are limited. When we have people that oppose us, when doors remain shut that we believe should be opened, and we grow frustrated because we cannot do what we think we should be able to do. And that frustrates us. But can I tell you the point is not that you do what you can do with your life, but rather the point is that God do what he wants to do with your life. And that's huge. Spicy. 
The point isn't that you do what you want. The point is that you do what God wants. The point isn't that you get doors open you want. The point is God should open the doors you should, you should have. And if you have to sit and wait, that you sit and wait as long as you have to. Because opposition is an opportunity not for you to demonstrate your power, but for God to demonstrate his. Now, if you are relatively new to the Christian life, I want to introduce you to a, a truth. And that is that the life of every Christian is one of sojourning. It's one of exploring. It's one of negotiating difficult terrain. We don't ride a cloud to heaven. We walk, we run, we carry a cross. We cross waters. We cross through fires. There are enemies. That's the life of a believer. We were never meant to always just be all pristine and, and comfortable. And No, 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 no. The life of a believer is an, the life of an adventurer. You're on your way somewhere good. You're on your way somewhere you've never been before. And maybe no one in your family has been where God is taking you. You've never negotiated a new sexual ethic in a, in, in a, in a, in a uh, landscape where everything goes and anything goes. You've never negotiated what it means to be moral in a place where the standard uh, changes with someone's opinion. You don't know what it's like, maybe, because you weren't taught when you were a child that telling the truth really does set you free. You're an explorer. Are you following me? You're, you're, in Hebrews, uh, Christ is called uh, the Archegos. He's the author. He's the Archegos. It's a poor translation in English. He's the pioneer leader. He goes before you, but you're following him into new territory. That's not easy, but it's amazing. That's not easy, but it's wonderful to see things you've never seen before, to learn things about God and his will you didn't know before. You're going into new places. There's going to be opposition. I just want you to know, because Mondays are hard. Can I get a witness? Mondays can be hard. Thursdays can be hard. You can be wondering, why is it so hard? Let me tell you that opposition welcomes with it an opportunity. Just a couple weeks ago, uh, the church where we serve in now is in a city called Renton, Washington. And there was a shooting. I don't know if you probably didn't hear about it down here, but there was a shooting in our city. And one young man was killed. Maybe five or six others were shot. It was a big deal in, in the city. And it hit our church uh, hard, and uh, we prayed that Sunday. Um, the next day, we prayed for these families. We prayed for healing with those that had been injured. And, uh, and then a radio uh, station wanted to interview our church, someone from our church, so they gave me the assignment to be interviewed um, regarding this incident. And the, the, uh, the, the um, radio personality asked me, she said, so, Pastor Eric, what would you tell people that look around and they see violence and, and, and shootings at malls and schools and there's division and there's hatred and there's all this stuff. What do you tell them? And I, I, I said, you know what I would tell them is what I tell myself. I was born for such a time as this. And so were you. Now, I would rather be, as hard as it is, I'd rather be here than a time when there was no indoor plumbing. Can I get a witness? <laughs> the time before in and out, I don't need none of that. 
Only about 300 years ago, you get a scratch, you could die. Thank God for antibiotics. I'm telling you right now. But it's hard now. It's difficult now. And I want you to know you were born for such a time as this. It's not an accident, and neither are you. God ordained your life to be lived now, right now, surrounded by the people you're surrounded by. Feeling outnumbered by our, our society, living in a culture that no longer reveres the things of God. Having heroes that are no heroes at all. We don't know what a hero is anymore. They either throw a football or sing a song. Those aren't heroes. But our society has elevated those people to heroic status. And whatever comes out of their minds becomes the cultural norms. God knew, though, you'd live now. You and I have purpose. We can go through this opposition. It is your hour. It is your time. You are the salt. You are the light of the earth. You are the city set on a hill. You, you with your imperfections. How many got issues? More issues than tissues, right? We got them. God knew it. God can use your issues. Because the person next to you has one more tissue than you, right? They got one more. God uses us with our frailties and weaknesses. Where there's opposition, there is opportunity. Paul sees this very clearly. And he, get, he deposits four, four key principles. How do we take advantage of the opportunity of opposition? How do we negotiate conflict? How do we deal with suffering? How do we deal with struggle? How do we deal with darkness? How do we deal with chains? How do we deal with false accusations? How do we do that? Paul gives us four ways to do that. Number one is to remember that God is what working? God is what? God is what? He is always working. He is never asleep. He never slumbers. He never loses sight of us. God is always working. God is always up to something. In verse 12, Paul writes, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has what? Actually. What has happened to me, it's like he's surprised. What's happened to me is actually served to advance the gospel. God is always working. Now, how many are grateful that his ways are above your ways? Can you just wave a palm branch at heaven and say, thank you, Jesus, that your ways are higher than my ways? You ever watch one of those cooking shows where they give the chefs all kinds of nasty things to put together? They, like, give them all kinds of weird things to try to make something out of? A master chef can take all those ingredients. It always kind of surprises me. When they take all these different ingredients and they come up with something gourmet, something delicious, right? The judges are tasting it. Some aren't so great, right? But some do. They do a great job taking the papaya and some tahini. Oh, that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> Never mind. That was the, they take all these, uh, these things that, that, that seemingly don't go together. But the master chefs will take this stuff and they, they crush it or they blend it or they dice it. They squeeze it. Then they mix it together. And then they what? They use some fire, right? To get some fire going. They're cooking it. They know exactly the temperature. They know exactly how high the flame. Too high, it'll burn it. 
too low, it won't, it won't uh, meld the, the flavors together. And they take all these things and they know exactly how to stir, how to prepare, how to do it. And at the end of it, it's something delicious. The aroma fills the room. God's the master chef of your life. He's the master chef of your life. You look at your life, you think it's a Frankenstein. There's all these pieces, random things. What's going on? Why is all this so hard? Why is, why is my kid so loud? Why is my dog not trained yet? Why is the boss, why didn't the boss notice me yet? You know, all these things, the prices are going up and inflation and all, your back starts to hurt. All these things going on. And you're like, this is all a mess. And God's like, I, I like it. I'm going to take a little bit of back pain. I'm going to take, take a little bit of your naughty kids. I'm going to take a little bit. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take your rowdy neighbor. I'm going to take all these random things and I'm going to put the heat up. That's what God does with you. Starts to put the heat. Like that wasn't bad enough. He puts the fire on. And you're like, I'm done. He's like, you ain't done. You're still grumpy. I don't deserve this. Oh, yeah, you ain't done. You certainly ain't done yet. You entitled. Think you deserve stuff. Puts the fire. Are you following me? I told you it was to be spicy. Don't act all offended. I told you. He's got the fire going. It bubbles, but not too much. He knows what we can take. He ain't reckless with you. He's not reckless with you. He's intentional with you. And he adds one more thing. I can't take one more thing. You need one more thing. You just waved a palm branch that you're happy. His waves are higher than yours. You still feel that way. God is always working. You have opposition, God is working. If you can't believe it's one more curveball thrown at you, it's just God's a good pitcher. He allows things. There's things he allows and there's things he causes. There's time when just society turns the heat up and he knows it. And he'll put a lid on. If it gets too hot, he'll put a lid on to keep you from going all over the place. But then there's times when he's the one turning the heat up. He's like, you need this. At the end of it, you're something you never dreamed you could be. And every ingredient was necessary to make you who you are. And now you smell good. And now you nourish others. And now you warm them. And they're better. They're better because you suffered. They're better because you're stronger. They're better because you're wiser. This is a big boy sermon. This is a big boy sermon. This is, I just want you to know. I'm going ahead. I'm going to go ahead. I want you to know. It's great. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. It's not. God didn't drop you. God's with you. God is always working. Paul's very clear with that. Paul, uh, God is always working. Paul also wants us to know that our resilience through adversity, is fueled to another's fire. Your resilience fuels other people. Your resilience inspires other people. There has to be a pace setter. 
Are you with me? So Christ is the author. The term there in the Greek is archagos. It really means pioneer, leader. It doesn't mean someone who really writes something down. He's the leader. So he's in front of you with like a machete going through the, taking the worst. He took your sin. He took your shame. He took your condemnation. He carries your burdens. You're behind him. You're still in the jungle. Can I get a witness? Every now and then mosquito. Every now and then uh, one of the branches whacks you, right? But you ain't taking the brunt. Jesus is. You aren't taking the weight of the world. He did, right? And you're there behind him hoping your kids follow you. Your neighbors follow you. Your coworkers follow you. Well, they're tumbling around in the thistles and, the, and, and, and where the snakes are and they're falling in the, in the crevasses. I'm saying all kinds of things. They're falling, they're tripping. You're like, no, come this way. There's a better way. Well, I want to find my own way. Well, that's why you're getting beat up and bit by tigers. You're tiger food out there. No, there's a pioneer leader, but you got to go the way he goes. Are you following me? Your resilience through the jungle behind the true leader inspires other people. People are watching you. People are listening to you. Is she really serious about this God thing? Is he really serious about his faith? Really, really? We are, our faith is proven not on the mountaintop, but in the valley. You following me? The witnesses of your life journey know it's easy to praise them on the mountaintop. They're wanting to see what you do in the valley. They're wanting to know what you do in the heat of the day. They're wanting to know what you do when you have enemies around you. When people slander you. They want to know what you're going to do. Your resilience fuels other people's faith. It spurs them on. Paul says that because he's in chains, everybody, the whole palace guard, like the people that, the, the jailers, right, they know they're, they're getting led to Christ. The brothers and sisters have become confident. I love this. Oh, can you put it up? The brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and daring. Paul's witness in the prison makes the other brothers and sisters confident and daring. That's good. Paul's singing a song in the prison. Paul's talking to the jailers about Jesus. If he can do it, God, I can do it too. If you're putting a song in his heart, in the jail, you can put a song in my heart in the marketplace. If you can make him a witness in the dark cell, you can make me a witness out here in the light of day. If you did it for him, you can do it for me. Brothers and sisters, we have pillars. We have grandparents and fathers and mothers and neighbors that have showed us the way for years. They inspire us. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. It's my turn to be inspired, to become confident, to become daring like them. Are you with me? Opposition is an opportunity to inspire the faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ. To show our children how to go forward when there's opposition. 
not to fall apart, not to drop four-letter bombs, not to threaten to leave, none of that nonsense. Our children need to know what it's like to stick with it. What it means to be resilient as a husband, resilient as a wife, resilient as a parent. That's what our kids need. Our kids need to know how to, how to trust God for his provision. When gas is $92 a gallon. See, it ain't that bad. You feel better now. Our kids need to see us. They need to see our resiliency. The third thing is this. Paul warns us not to let the weaknesses of others distract us. When there's opposition, don't let the weaknesses of others distract us. He writes here, he writes, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, and then he says, the latter do out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. In other words, what Paul is saying is that there are people who are kicking me while I'm down. Their failures are meant to distract me. There, there are people in my way. You ever, you ever go somewhere, you get on the highway, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of red lights? Like traffic, right? How many know what I'm talking about? You're like, what? Like it's a Saturday at like 10 o'clock in the morning. No reason for there to be traffic. And all of a sudden there's all these red lights. Now, does it do any good to have all these red lights and then to pull over and start cursing at them? No. One time I was in New York, I was ministering in New York, and, and they took me to a drive-thru. And some, there was a couple guys in the car with me, went through this drive-thru. And the people that were making the burgers were kind of slow. Well, there was this New Yorker behind us, and he starts to honk on the horn. He's like, like that. He's like, yeah. Were you there? Was that you? <laughs> They're honking, and they start yelling, hurry up. And I'm like, why is he yelling at us? We're not making the hamburgers. He's like, ee, ee. And then this is what he says. He, he, I, I promise you, this is what he said. Ee, and he leans out, he goes, you're giving me hemorrhoids. <laughs> I wanted to yell, that's not my fault. What good does it do if you're on the highway, there's all these brake lights to start cursing at people? Or to yell at God, God, why did you do this to me? No. You know what we do? If we're smart, we don't go home because there's traffic. You got somewhere to go. You got something special to be at. You take out your phone. I left my phone. You take out your phone, right? And what do you do? You plug in the address. And what does the map do? Gives you a different route, right? It'll get you there. What we have to do when we have people in our way is we have to go to the map. We have to go to the map because can I tell you, there is someone who has a perspective you don't have. And all these red lights, you cannot let people, these red lights in your life keep you from getting where God wants you to get. You got to go to the map. You got to say, God, how do I negotiate this? 
You go to the word, how do I deal with these people? How do I deal with slander? How do I deal with these difficult people? How do I deal with people that don't understand? They're they're unrenewed. Their minds are darkened. How do I do it? And the word of God will get you where he wants you to be. It just might not be the way you wanted to go. But can I tell you something? Some of you need a detour. If you get there too quick, it's like you've been cooking, you ain't done yet. Sometimes you need a detour. Sometimes those people are a blessing. God takes you another way. You got to keep going forward. You got to keep moving forward. You don't quit. You don't curse God. You don't curse people. You don't backslide. No, you got to keep going the direction God wanted you to go. You got to get to where he has you to be. But sometimes you got to take a detour. And God is the God of not just the highways, but the detours. It could be that on your way, you needed to listen to worship music another 30 minutes because you weren't quite ready to get where you wanted to get. Maybe he's going to download a little wisdom in you on the detour. Maybe he's going to show you something you never knew before on the detour. He is the God of the detour. You got to move forward. Paul looks at these people and he doesn't let them distract him. In fact, even though they're a mess, Paul draws the ultimate of conclusions. The ultimate of conclusions. And that is that we, no, last point. The main goal is to glorify God. I'm serving, you from, I'm serving you from the adult menu. There ain't no chicken nuggets. We're going straight to the quarter pounder with cheese. Supersize. Can I just tell you or remind you, all these people that were getting in Paul's way, Paul says, what does it matter? Christ is being preached. What does it matter that I'm in prison? God is being glorified. The purpose of our lives is to bring glory to God. The purpose of your life is okay. It's not to accomplish your dream. The purpose of your life is not to acquire great wealth. The purpose of your life is not the American dream. The purpose of our life, the reason that we live is to bring glory to God. Paul understood that whether he was doing well in the city of Corinth, building a church, or he was in a dank prison. Paul understood this. The whole point is to give glory to God. That's the point. Do you give glory to him? The meaning of life. What's the meaning of life? It's to give God glory. The way that you run a business, do you give God glory? If you hire people and fire people, do you do that in a way that gives God glory? If you work in a restaurant, do you give God glory there? The way you deal with inflation, do you give God glory? The way that you deal with a, with a, with a cancerous political environment, do you give God glory? Do you give him glory when you have a lot? Do you give God glory when you have just a little? It's all the same to him.
It's all the same. It should all be the same to us. Do we give God glory? Opposition is a great opportunity. As you negotiate the jungles of this new terrain, going into places you've never been, telling the truth like you've never told it, saying, fleeing from temptation in a way you've never fled from it before. As you learn a new terrain and endure the opposition, when there's all these ingredients that don't make any sense to you, can we resign ourselves to the fact that the reason that we breathe is to honor him? That we take, just yesterday, I had an assignment. There's an older gentleman who desperately needed groceries. And um, I went and picked him up. I could, I could have had a, a number of people go pick him up, but I felt like God wanted me to pick him up. So I went and picked him up. hadn't met him before. Disheveled. Single, senior gentleman, probably in his late 70s and lives alone. I took him to the store, and uh, we're in the parking lot. We park, and, I, and I'm ready to get out. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's pray. And he begins to pray for the, the time in the store that God would lead him in his grocery selection. And, and if there's someone that he runs into, that he'd be a blessing to them. This little journey into Safeway, it was a 30-minute shopping trip. He prepared himself to shop. Everything we do is to give him glory. Everything we do. Every burden you carry, do it to his glory. And every, every success you have, let him have the glory. Every opposition is an opportunity to make sure people know Christ is king. I am not. And he's good. Amen. Would you stand with me, family? Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.